Mustafa and Ken here. Welcome back to the Alert Medic One podcast. Alert Medic One response. Uh, so you want to go and uh, introduce yourself? Uh, yes, I'm Michael Lambert. I'm a battalion chief with the Prince George's County Fire and U.S. Department. I've been employed with the department since December of 2004. Uh, since uh, July of 2016, I've been a battalion chief. And uh, I originally got my uh, start in EMS in uh, December of 98 uh, with the Habit Grace Ambulance Corps. So you are, describe your current role right now. Uh, my current role is a battalion chief, so I, uh, I work with the, the men and women uh, in the 7th Battalion, and uh, there's five stations in the battalion. Okay, okay. And um, describe your transition up. So you, were, I imagine you were a paramedic firefighter when you started with the department, or how did that start? Uh, yes. So in 2004, I took a lateral entry position as a paramedic <clears throat> and uh, worked for the department for about a year and a half before I was uh, given the opportunity to cross-train. Uh, which was a good thing uh, for my career and uh, the opportunities for the future. And so I cross-trained in May of 2006 um, and then got to go out in the field and do fire and EMS both and then just started uh, developing. You know, we, we do new recruit manuals, JTAC book, um, different various skills over the What's course JTAC? of the years. Uh, joint accredited uh, commission. Okay. So it's like an apprenticeship program, like a plumber, like an electrician, that kind of stuff. It's yeah. through the state. Um, and anybody that's looking to promote has to, to do that, complete that training. It takes three years. Interesting. So it's through the state. Yeah. Uh, what body? Uh, I believe the whatever the commit the same body that does like the plumbers and and all the different oh, other trades throughout the state. Yeah, whoever, whoever does the other apprenticeship programs. Wow, and that's to promote up. Yes. Wow, and is that a common thing in departments? Like, uh, um, for Prince George, that's. I'm sorry, yeah. I got to get closer. Yeah, uh, that's the first time I've seen it. I'm not aware of any other departments in the state. Interesting. Um, that have that. But it, it, it's uh, a neat program. It's a time and it's a list of skills that you have to do throughout yeah. a three-year period. And it has to get signed off. Uh, and then the, uh, the information's got to go through our academy and up to the state. Are you assigned like a mentor? So your officer works through that. And then the, the folks within your crew work through that with you um, to get that done. Okay. I did not know that existed. And neither did I until I started working for the department. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. So do you feed into that program now, like as a mentor or whatever the system may be? Like, do you have people that are working through that program right now that you kind of mentor in an official, unofficial way? Um, probably maybe in more of an unofficial way. So okay. when folks come out of the academy, they do their new recruit manual, um, which can take them up to a year. And then sure. as part of all that, they're also doing um, their JTAC book. Um, from that point that they hit the field. And actually some of the stuff in the academy, if I uh, remember correctly, gets signed off. Sure. Um, and then they build on those concepts over that three-year period. Yeah. And then uh, everything gets turned into the academy. So let me ask you this. Going back to, I guess, well, 06 when you did the lateral, mm-hmm. right? Or even before that or slightly after that, uh, can you think of a supervisor that you loved or hated and why? <laughs> Good question. Um, so uh, yeah, various uh, supervisors. I, I think we learn positive and negative. Sure, um, sure, sure. And, yeah, there's one that, that I can think of that uh, showed up to work every day, did his job, uh, did his job until the very end of his career, wore his uniform, and, and did all the different functions, even up till the day that he retired. And we had his uh, retirement luncheon. Um, was fair, consistent, you know, across the board. Sure, sure. 
So, um, and they were like an immediate supervisor? Or? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember peers that were leaders but not necessarily supervisors? Yes. Um, and several of those, um, and, and there's peers and there's people that I still work with today, rather I supervise them or I work with them or they supervise me, um, that, that I always learn from, uh, every day. It doesn't matter your rank. I used to always think that folks should always want to promote, but, but we need good folks at all positions throughout an organization that are willing to be leaders, whether they're formal or informal to, to move the agency forward to achieve the mission. Sure. So I, I, one of the common themes you, I feel like you see in leadership books, uh, ver- whoever writes them, there's always this concept of taking ownership in your position, even if you're not, if you don't have a bugle, right, or whatever. Uh, so how do you promote that now that you're one of the you know actual supervisors? How do you promote that within the people that uh, you have? Ah, so uh, lots of <clears throat> uh, informal, formal kind of uh, questions or um, conversations probably is the, is the key thing there. Um, and as you start to work with folks, um, obviously you want to hit the ground running on day one, but you kind of get to give them some time to get a feel for each other. Uh, and then once you got a feel for each other, it's, it's making sure everybody understands what their roles are, what expectations are, um, and giving them that latitude to, to say, Hey, take ownership of your spot. This is your position. Um, you own it. And sometimes the organization kind of defines, defines things for you and kind of ties your hands a little bit, but sometimes they give you the latitude to, to let your folks operate within, uh, a commander's intent that I'll say. Sure. Um, so they know the rules and they know what area what they can function and get the job done. So that early part, you almost, uh, you know, getting a feel for each other, you said that I, I would call that building the initial blocks of trust. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So you want to talk about, a little bit more about trust then? Uh, yeah. I think that's one of the main building blocks um, that over the years that I've um, started to greatly understand more and have a much greater appreciation for um, as we build teams. It's, uh, you know, I, I we're, we're talking leadership, but I'm definitely not an expert. I'm more of a student and learning every sure. day from, from a lot of the folks that I uh, work with. Uh, one of the biggest things that, uh, and it's, it's like a, I want to say like a three or four minute clip video from Colin Powell. Uh, and he really does it justice. Um, as he's asked a question, like what's one of the main things of leadership. And the first thing is like trust. And he starts to, to go on and talk about, you know, not letting the troops see you when you're cold or hungry or tired and all those different things. Um, so I really think it's important to set that stage uh, so your folks can see you all the time and you're setting a good example throughout. Um, cause leadership is like a roller coaster. I'll say I have really good days where I think that I'm really doing good. And I've got days where I'm like, man, there's a lot of stuff I need to do better. Sure. Sure. So, and, and that trust, and, and I definitely didn't come up with this, but somebody passed it on to me. It's, it doesn't happen in seven days, but it shouldn't take seven months. And it's, it's stuff on the job and stuff off the job. And that's, that's one of the areas that if I could go back and do things a little bit better is, is actually getting out with my peers on off time. Sure. Um, you know, a, a lot of times I was always on the job, but there is, there is big things to, um, that come of having like a quarterly, like outside of work, get together or something like that, cook out, whatever it might be, or, you know, the shift's over, let's go out and all have breakfast sure. um, outside of the job to build that relationship. So let me ask you this, two things. Number one, um, you mentioned that, you know, like Colin Powell said, you can never see your troops get, you know, see you cold or hungry or, um, how do you balance that with the fact that you are human? Right. And I mean, inevitably, they will see you on a bad day. How do you how do you balance that? Uh, Or and is that a is that a mark too high to ask of yourself to always be perfect like that? Um, I think you can set the standard there. Um, You know, 
I think that on the bad days, it, it, it may be one of those days where you go in and you tell the men and women that you work with, hey, t- today I'm just not on today, mm-hmm. you know, um, because you're not going to be on every day. And maybe, you know, that day they kind of do their own thing. You do your own thing. Um, or maybe, you know, you, you go in and you, pu- and you push through. Mm-hmm. And you push through the whole day, but on those moments of weakness, you find a private spot that you're in by yourself. Sure. Um, that, that you work through that and you go out and you put the face back on and, and you, you do the job until the end of the shift. Um, the, the other thing to build there is, and this is a, a, one of those words that, that is used a lot, but you know, building that resiliency and building uh, coping mechanisms. Uh, it's just like when, when the alarm goes off, we don't define success at that point. Success is defined in all the stuff that you've done before the alarm went off. Or rather, it's a fire call, an EMS call. And I would really say through a lot of the learning that I've done recently, I think the same way with stress and all the things that we deal with. If you've got good coping mechanisms and, and people that you can talk to, people you can trust and uh, habits that you have, whether it's going to the gym or whatever it might be, it helps you through those very trying days to be able, and, and you asked uh, earlier, like a mentor, a coach and sure. folks that you can bounce ideas off of and talk to. So, um, and I think kind of like what you were talking about before, you know, getting the breakfast with your shift, right? Things like that help build what you just said. Uh, where do you draw the line as a supervisor? Uh, very good question. Um, it, it is a challenge, and I think that that is set in your expectations and your um, kind of intent that you kind of lay out, you know, within that maybe 30 to 60 days of of those folks. Um, breakfasts are good outside family events. It, uh, it may not be all the time, you know, um, that you're getting together. Maybe the shift might get together sometimes without you as you're trying to build that crew. Um, same thing on the job, you know, when you're, uh, kind of in the office, kind of doing some of your administrative stuff and, and you've got that senior firefighter, or that senior paramedic that's out there helping, uh, the junior folks. Um, that's a little bit of a place to draw that line. Sure. Sure. What do you do if, uh, say you have a, I mean, cause everyone's different on the crew, right? What if, uh, there's deferring values, deferring, uh, you know, I see in your notes, you like, you know, uh, under the moral compass section, right? I mean, what, what if, uh, you know, sure morals, I think are generally in the right direction or in a, a similar direction, but what if those different values are different or backgrounds are different? How do you account for that? Yeah. So this is, uh, again, as we go through, I'll, I'll highlight some things that I really wish I could have done better in the past if I wasn't ignorant or would have known, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't intentional, but, um, there's not a one size fits all for the shift. It, it truly is getting to know each person. If you want to do it right, um, as you build and that team builds over time. Um, so you got to get to know all those different cultures, all those different values, what makes your folks tick, um, and truly have buy-in and it's gotta be genuine. It can't be fake. It truly has to be genuine. And as you get to know, um, people's spouses, husbands, wives, kids, and you start to talk about the different things people's family are doing and the things that they're going through um, as you kind of uh, build trust and understand your folks and, and you know when they're having an off day and you know, hey, that's not their typical behavior. Uh, let me just pull them aside and see how they're doing, those different kinds of things. Um, but you got to learn them, and sometimes you got to do research into those things. Um, or sometimes you have a, a trusted person that you can trust and pull aside because we're all different. And, and maybe you do ask the question of somebody that is from that culture or, or that background or whatever it is, hey, can you help me understand this? I'm, I'm not from that culture, that background, whatever it might be. Can you help me understand so I can better uh, serve the people that, that I work with? I mean, for me, that was the, 
one of the things that I definitely learned was like leadership isn't about telling people what to do. You kind of work for them. Um, and as I started to take that mindset and learn that mindset, my job got better and the relationships and I'm not perfect by any stretch of the means. I'm still learning and applying in each different position that I have, but that's, I think that's key. Understanding your folks, their backgrounds, where they come from and working to make a good tight knit crew that works together to achieve the mission. So we, you mentioned trust a couple of times in that last statement. What, what does trust mean to you? Uh, trust is huge. I mean, I have to, to be able to trust that folks are going to be able to do their job. And that comes at at different levels, you know, as a, as a company officer, um, as an EMS duty officer, um, you have to trust that the men and women that you work with are going to show up and they're going to do the job. They're going to do the mission. Um, they're going to make decisions. And, and when they, uh, need to make decisions that maybe the protocols don't cover, maybe the mm-hmm. general orders or the SOPs don't cover, that they look for things like, you know, the, the organization's mission, the organization's uh, vision statement or values and say, hey, there's no book for this. This is a gray area. Um, and this is, I believe this is in the best interest of the patient, the organization based on all those different things. And that is, that's one thing, again, that I'll tell you that I struggle with. Everything is not black and white. Um, there's plenty of shades of gray and then sometimes that's on purpose, um, you know, to take it one more step further, you know, as like a battalion chief, um, you know, I'm entrusting on the scenes that the officers are going to lead and, and, um, supervise their crew again to achieve the mission, um, based on what's presented with them. We work, you know, in a very dynamic environment and whether it's a mass casualty or, or all the different, um, scenes that we can run, they're all different. And there may not always be an SOP, a general order on how we do business. So um, I entrust that they're going to be able to get the job done. And and twofold that I don't micromanage them, but in the same regard, they say, hey, I need some help. And I can help them when they ask that they need help. Interesting. So how do you cultivate that? Because that's, I mean, you that's easily said, not that easily executed, right? Uh, uh, creating an environment where people feel comfortable asking for help. Yeah, I mean, that. Um, one of the things that that, that kind of hits on is... Uh, you know, what we can brief over it a little bit is that like that just culture and, and I'm not the best at it. Um, you know, I'm still learning a lot about that, that just culture model, but looking at, is it a human error and at risk behavior or is it reckless behavior and trying to figure out, um, was it intentional? Was it not intentional? Was it based on education and, and, um, to air is human and, um, you are exactly right. Sometimes I have worked in a, in an environment where, I did not feel comfortable making a mistake. And, you know, this, some of the supervisors that I work with are, well, that shouldn't happen or this shouldn't happen. And, yes, you can prepare for a lot of things. And I'll go back to success is defined in what you do prior to the bell going off or what you do prior to um, that stressful event, those kinds of things. But we're human. Things, I make mistakes every single day um, owning it. And that's what I stress to my people, own it. Um, and, and I'll work with you. We will get through it together um, to work through that and, and own it, remember it, don't let it happen again, you know, to the best of your ability. I mean, there's, we work in an environment where we don't have a lot of control sometimes on what, what happens. So, Give me an example of a scenario, obviously don't go into specifics, where things went right for you, either as a, as a, you know, a subordinate or as a you know, supervisor. Where, can you think, are there any like, highlights or you know, any examples that you give as a success story? Man, um, that's one thing that's not really good for me is my memory, but uh, I'll, I'll try to jog it. Um, 
And we can come back to that too. Not a big deal. Yeah. I, I always like to ask people that. And I like to, I don't like asking people to prep because uh, for that question, because then they, <clears throat> you know, they might not, you know, they might make uh, something uh, either embellish something or lack of embellishment. Right. So I like asking that on the spot. So if I put you on the spot, I apologize. So, um, you know, the best thing that I'll say is, is sometimes I struggle with words. Sometimes I say, and don't always get out what I'm looking to say. You know, sometimes there's a mismatch between my brain and my mouth. Sure. sure. Um, but I, I would say that, um, I built myself up in, in EMS to where like I dreaded certain calls because I was scared out of fear, you know, like that cardiac arrest that nowadays we know is, is, I won't say that it's easy, but it's choreographed yes. is, is a word yeah. that I'll use. It's not my word. There's but, a lot of framework behind it. Right. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, as we work through those in EMS, it, it got to like, hey, I, if there has to be a bad call, because I'm aware if there has to be a call, period, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't mind being on it. Um but uh, if there has to be that call, like, I'm okay with a complex call. Let's work through that. Let's see what that looks like. Let's challenge. Um, so, and I'll flip that to the supervisor role. Like, early on as a, as a supervisor at the station level, um, there's a lot of things that I didn't do that were, you know, at, at the moment, they were right. I mean, I wouldn't say things were wrong, but I could have handled things a lot better. And I think that application of, of a lot of the things that I learned that I can do better at that level uh, working with some mentors and now uh, as the battalion chief, um, I'm, I feel, I hope, you know, uh, and I'm, and I'm, I always ask the folks that I work with, give me feedback on how I'm doing, you know, what am I doing? Um, that, that makes you want to come to work. What am I doing that makes you not want to come to work? But I think, um, some of my, um, uh, interpersonal skills, I think have gotten a lot better to where I can sit down and have some of those tough conversations that I used to think that I could have, but I really couldn't have because, um, I was very narrow minded opposed to being open minded and really actively listening. Like, you know, when I sit down in a conversation, it's a tough conversation. I'll, I'll take a cup of water, uh, or a bottle of water. And when I can feel my heart rate going up and have that self-awareness, I'll drink it, bring myself down, or, you know, I'll take some notes, uh, on a piece of paper to let the person finish talking so they're done. I'm not interrupting. You know, I'm trying to listen to, uh, what do they call it? Listen to respond opposed to, I'm sorry, listen to understand mm-hmm. opposed to, to respond. So um, I, I don't have a specific story, but those are some values that I, I see lately, and I'm not perfect in any stretch of me. There's times sure. where I'm like, man, I really had a good conversation with that person, and, and I think we're you know headed in the right direction. And then there's like, I just bashed that conversation. I got to go back and talk to him again. I, I give it a day or two, let some emotions die down, um, and then we'll we'll have that conversation again. Have you always been so self-reflective? No. So talk to me about that. Yeah. Um, so uh, um, I. You know, when we uh, do professional development, uh, you know, at work, a lot of times it's it's MIFRI driven classes, and I won't say just at work in general in the fire and EMS community. And do you mind just saying what MIFRI is? Because yeah, uh, Maryland Fire and Rescue Institute, cool. great great organization, nothing sure. negative. Um, lots of good classes. Um, you know, you deal with the fire officer one, fire officer two. Um, the biggest thing that I feel that I, I lacked um, was a f- like more of a formal leadership um, training and. Um, I think I had a, I was 35, 36 uh, years old, and the department had a program. Uh, I believe I was a battalion chief at the time, brand new. Um, and they had a program called Leadership Under Fire come in. Um, and what a phenomenal program. And they really broke it down uh, into leadership stuff. You know, a lot of the other classes that I talked about is incident management and, and all those different things. The technical that, aspect of right. the job. Yeah. Yep. And, and it digs into, uh, what a Lieutenant that I had years ago, 
uh, when I was a technician, um, we were talking and, and I was getting ready to go acting as a lieutenant. And he said, you know, what, what do you fear? And I said, man, I'm still young. I'm still new. There's a lot I don't know. There's this, there's that. And he's like, Mike, you know, 90% of what you do is going to be personnel. 10% is going to be incident management. And he's like, you, 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 know, you, you got it. You just got to learn all the different things and keep learning and, and never stop learning. Um, but leadership under fire really hits that. And, and I was looking, I was lacking some confidence. Um, I was looking for that one thing that makes a good leader. Like I just need to read this one book or do this one thing and totally off. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a ton of things. And that program was over the course of a year. Uh, we would meet once or twice, you know, a month. Um, and then we, we had to read books. We had to watch videos. We had to reflect. Um, we did a staff ride, which we've, you know, we've been able to do a couple of those outside of that program for work. And what a staff ride is, is you're going to like Antietam battlefield or Gettysburg and you got a tour guide there and you're going through and usually we'll do them in like a four hour block and they'll take you through the battlefield, talk about different points. And the, and the tour guides that we've had have been really good because they can, uh, talk about the leaders and their decisions and things that they went through. And then they've been really good about applying it to the fire service. Like how does that affect you as a fire and EMS leader? Mm-hmm. Um, so that program was huge um, doing that. And I'm and now I'm an advocate reader um, before that program. I was not, you know, I, I don't read as much as I uh, would like to, um, you know, with work and family commitments and that kind of stuff. But there's always a book that's there. Um, uh, I, you know, with that commute to work, I think we were talking before, you know, if, if I'm in the mood, I'll listen to a podcast of some sort um, or, you know, the music that, that I'm going to listen to. Uh, yoga is is a good thing. Exercise is a good thing. Um, time to yourself is a good thing. That's there's coping mechanisms that allows you to reset. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's a multitude of things. I, I can't even list them out that, that yeah. they go into that. So I started jujitsu in September. Of, okay. Uh, yeah. And I'll tell you what, that has been something. I, yeah. I love it. I love it. It's a, uh, uh, like you said, something to just keep, you know, for yourself to work on yourself. But I'll tell you what, it's, uh, the only way I describe it is like, uh, it's like high risk chess, right? Uh, cause like it, it's, um, it's number one, I feel like it's learning a language. So I'm bilingual, right? So I, I, I can appreciate the difficulty of learning another language, right? Um, English is not my first language. I don't know if you knew that. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's like learning a language of, uh, not savagery, but, uh, I don't know how I describe it, but I mean, you, you know, you, you're rolling with somebody that literally wants to strangle you and you want to strangle them. And, uh, but it's in the most friendly manner possible. And then the idea of this sport is you just learn continuous moves, right? You're always like, uh, learning more and more. And it's been so good to everything else in my life, you know? Uh, and, uh, but yeah, uh, going back to what you said, that physical fit, it not, maybe not even physical, physical fitness, I guess, but, uh, taking time for yourself is such an important part about that. I agree with you. Yeah. And yeah. when you, when, what you said, which is issue is you're constantly learning. Like, yeah. Um, there's the learning there and, and it's, it's just con- and it's got true applications to life. Like. Yeah. 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 The, um, how do you balance, uh, you know, as you get more and more responsibilities, how do you balance being able to get more time, you know, always consistently getting time for yourself? Uh, it's, it's a never ending fight. Um, it, it's really setting your goals, your priorities. Um, you know, I've been married, uh, 16 years. I hope I got that right the wife listens to this, um, two kids, you know, 15 year old and a 13 year old. So there's plenty of at home, um, responsibilities, plenty of work responsibilities. Um, and it's, it's truly, it's planning. Um, and, and again, I don't own this statement, but you know, 
Uh, people don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. And it's really looking down. And we, we use the Cozy app on our phones with the family. Um, and everybody has access access to it now. The kids have phones. So that's all kind of laid out where they want to be, what they want to do, what me and the What is that? I don't the, know. The Cozy app. Yeah. It's a calendar. Oh, okay. That everybody has access to that they can, you know, like my son's running track right now. So all his track meets are in there when he has track oh, cool. practice, uh-huh. um, karate, all those different things are, are in the calendar. Wow. Um, That's, and, man, I bet people would have killed for that 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, we used to use Apple, um, the Apple calendar as well. Cause okay. like I could sit here and put something in a calendar and it pops up and my wife instantly sees it opposed okay. to me going, somebody going, Hey, can you do this? Uh, all right, let me, let me talk to the wife. I'll get back to you in a day or sure. two. I can look at the phone and instantly. Wow. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we walk, we only reason we moved away from the Apple calendar cause we both have Apple phones is cause one, um, my son has an Android. Okay. So yeah. it's not compatible on that, but cozy is sure. compatible with all the phones. Yeah. So it, it, it goes to setting your goals and your priorities. Um, you know, to me, uh, family's first. Um, you know, obviously there's, there's God, there's the religion, uh, the family, the wife, you know, without my wife, we don't have kids. So then there's the kids and there's the job cause I got to pay the bills. Um, and, and all the men and women that I work with that, that I feel I serve, um, because I want everybody to go home at the end of the day. And if we all go to work and prepare and work hard, then, you know, the odds of that happening are greatly increased. Um, but it, it's all about your goals and your priorities, and then you work forward in that. If something's not on the goals and priorities list, then maybe it gets moved to the back burner. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm honestly, I'm just so impressed by the self reflection, you know, like and the humbleness. Uh, I, you don't see. I mean, I, I, it's not like I talk to battalion chiefs every day, but I mean, it's, it's, it's very awesome to hear that from you. Um, and the fact that you, you know, you take a uh, family uh, at the forefront, because as you know, that's not. Uh, I'm not saying it's an uncommon thing in the fire service, but it's, uh, we see examples that we all think we, you know, we, we all see examples that we don't want to be. You know, and uh, let me ask you about that. I mean, because a job can be an addiction, right? So t- talk to me about that. How, I mean, you kind of already mentioned how you balance it, but um, what would you tell to a subordinate that maybe isn't? Or maybe even a leader that, you know, a supervisor that isn't? How do, how, like, what are some things that you would see in a subordinate that would be, be concerning to you, and how would you approach that? Um, so, you know, uh, the humbleness or the self-reflection, like I said before, it, it goes to the ego and sometimes I always can't set that ego aside and that's, you know, learning what your trigger points are, your ego points, those kind of things. And some days I'm good at it and some days I'm not. And some days I get humbled. Mm-hmm. Um, and those days suck, but they're learning opportunities for me, uh, to do things differently. But when I'm looking at, uh, working with a subordinate, um, and you know, I feel, well, I mean, first off it's, it's my feelings, but it's, it will be my perspective because they, they have their goals and their priorities that they want to achieve. Um, it would just be working with them to, to, to put their goals and their priorities down on a piece of paper um, and just ask them if they're getting out of that what they want. And they shift, right? So um, maybe you need to put the job first. Uh, there has been a couple different occasions um, in my career where I have had to say to the wife, hey, look, this is going on the next week or two. I've got to put work first. Um, you know, the things that we're going through right now, that that's where my priorities got to be. Can you handle, you know, and it's having that, uh, me and my wife have a great relationship. Um, and she tremendously understands that. And it it is having that openness, that honesty with your spouse, um, and having that support network and and it's there, the wife, the kids, all those different things. And, and I, and I can think of 
two or three times that that, that has had to happen in my 17 uh, and a couple months that I've been on the job, um, you know, with the fire and EMS department to do that. And I, w- I would put that the same there. Like, you know, when you look at your goals and your priorities for your life, um, is one of them slipping? And if it is and you're not having desired effect, then you got to put a little over there and you might have to take a little bit away from over here. Um, so it's, it's a balancing act. It's never right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So. I, I mean, you're always improving. Talk to me about time off. Um, so, you know, time off is, um, back into the physical fitness, which is huge. Um, you know, trying to meditate a little bit each day, some music, uh, frequently at Planet Fitness. That's where I came uh, mm-hmm. from before here. Uh, got off this morning with the Planet Fitness. Um, you know, I do the, uh, the $20 membership. So, you know, I'll go in the back and lay on the hydro bed for 10 minutes and play the jazz music after the, uh, um, workout. That's my little unwind, my little meditation period to kind of, all right, let's go the day forward. Um, sometimes I'll work overtime. Sometimes I'll work a part-time job or, um, do the own business, you know, that we do for CPR and first aid. Um, but definitely have time for myself, time for the family, um, you know, whether it's uh, something with my son for track or dance for my daughter or just time with my wife um, to kind of build all that as it's, it's a balancing act. Uh, and I'll throw in school there as I'm still working to get, you know, finish up the master's degree, hopefully by the end of the year. Um, but that goes back to that, you know, God, family, the job. Hey, I want some school stuff, you know, my own personal things that I want on top of everybody else's stuff. You so. take a lot of vacations or, well, let me ask you this. Do you ever let leave expire? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I tell you what, and that the reason I asked that is because last year I actually, it was unfortunate, but I ended up losing, uh, I think three or four personal days just because I had, I had, I had planned to take them, but at the end, I mean, there was another COVID thing and you know, you got to go to work sometimes, like you said before. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So t- tell me more about that. Yeah. I mean, and you bring up a good example. I mean, COVID, uh, was one of those times that in my, in my head that, you know, I had to, you know, say to the sit the wife down, tell her what was going on, and be like, "Look, I gotta, you know, in the position I was in at the fire in the fire and EMS department at the time, that had to take priority over everything else, so that we could, you know, I could help the organization because it was a team effect as as everybody put on um, their A game to to make sure that we could achieve the mission. Um, but yeah, no, that's it's. I got through that time that I needed to get through. And then at the end of it, it was like, all right, I need some downtime. I need sure. a week off. I, sure. need, I need to unplug. Yeah. Um, family vacations are great. And even time just w- with my spouse, you know, my wife is, is great, whether it's a long weekend or a whole week. Um, so there'll be some vacations over the summer. My son's big in the scouts. So we'll do some scout stuff this summer, uh, family vacation this summer, uh, weekends. Away. We used to really be big into camping, but with the kids busy schedule, that's, you know, not going to happen. Now we do some boating over the summer. It's mm-hmm. easy to do one day event versus sure. a three or four day event. Yeah. So. Tell me about the CPR AD thing you just said. Uh, so we have J and a emergency concepts, which is our business. Sure. Um, that's been up and running for three or four years, uh, with work. We had to put it on the back back burner for a little while, but now we're back up and running, um, to do CPR first aid, uh, teaching, training, um, certification. And then, you know, we, we wouldn't mind expanding in the future. Rather we do something online with sales or, uh, some leadership training in the future. Sure. sure. So how does that work with like, uh, I, I don't know the first thing about that. So do you have to like 
is it an agreement with like AHA or how does that work? So uh, we work uh, cooperatively with uh, paramedical personnel of Maryland. They're the training center that we use, um, okay. and they they are the AHA or ASHI training center. Okay. Um, so we work with them, follow the procedures to you know have classes and give cards and, and there's different kinds of things. Interesting. So they allow for other businesses to be like in an agreement with them. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Wow, that's very interesting. And then I guess if you were to create an online thing, you could that wouldn't be with them. You could just do a separate thing. Yeah, so we're working on a website and a, and, um, a social media account. I'm hoping that we'll launch that in, in the May time frame. Um, but as, as society evolves, uh, I do like the the direction that AHA and ASHI are going with regards to, hey, you can get online and do a didactic portion. Sure, sure. At your own time, pay some yeah. money. Um, and, and they're pretty good you know, interactive you yeah. know, things nowadays that we can do with yeah. online and leveraging those technologies. And then they show up and do their skill session, which yeah. is uh, not as long. You know, mm-hmm. and you can knock that out and um, follow the procedures. We should talk more offline then, because that's something that we're working on too. Cool. And I mean, uh, like we talked before, we start recording. We got some stuff offline that's pretty big uh, in terms of like accreditation and stuff. But yeah, no, uh, a part of that is like an online, you know, online portion because um, I think good paramedic training is still lacking when it comes to what you just described, right? Like good, um, even if it's asynchronous, right, or synchronous. Just like there, a lot of the. Um, interactive stuff just doesn't exist that, you know, we like doing. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more offline about that. That's pretty cool. Um, going back to like the leadership stuff, um, that we were talking about before. Um, and I've just been like browsing through your, uh, you know, the notes that you sent me. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Where, where, where do you want to go next? I, I really want to talk about the OODA loop. I, I really, I mean, I know that's kind of like, you know, within the decision-making, uh, aspect of this but uh, i'll let you go wherever you know you want to talk about next but i do uh, before we conclude what well, we, we we have plenty of time but I, I do want to talk about the ooda loop because i did not know about the ooda loop until uh so the emergence program um, at the naval postgraduate school we were talking mm-hmm. about they were saying ooda loop i'm like what is that what i, I knew i had heard it somewhere it was in here but yeah, I do want to talk about that, but I'll hand it off to uh, you. Yeah. No, we can go there. That's fine. Yeah. Um so it goes back to um uh, when I took the leadership under fire program, um, that the department offered, um, and I've taken, they, they offer conferences, stuff online nowadays, they've really broadened their horizons and the programs that, that they offer. Um, but we read the book Boyd, mm-hmm. um, and in the book he talks about, uh, the Oda loop. Um, and it's, it's having that decision-making model. You know, when we work through, um, the fire and EMS incidents and other incidences we run, cause you know, when folks call 911, it's not necessarily always a fire or an EMS related. It's, they have a problem. Sure. We need to go help them. Yeah. We, we've got to work through figuring that out. And sometimes we have a slide deck or we have a, you know, I'll say a PowerPoint slide opposed to a slide deck, you know, as we, as we get older and, uh, work through the younger generation, not knowing what that slide deck is, but, um, that ODA loop helps you to work through that, whether it's an incident or a personnel issue or whatever you're dealing with, but it allows you to, um, orient, uh, or observe, orient, make a decision, and actually physically act on it. And it could be some, it could be minor that action that you do, but you're constantly moving. Um, and it, that in the book, Boy, he talks about being able to work through the Oda loop quicker than you know in wartime than than your opponent, and that's how you win. Uh, and then it transitions into the civilian world in the same aspect. You're constantly working through that decision making model. The um, 
and and for those that didn't like get the, how the clear so OODA is O O D A and then loop like a you know like a loop that goes in, I guess in a circle but uh and then the the four terms were observe orient decide and act um the a lot of times the the hard part is act you know indecisiveness so can you talk about that a little bit absolutely um sometimes it's it's courage sometimes it's uh, confidence issues there's a lot of things that go into that um and the more i'll go back to it the more that you um educate yourself outside of the emergencies and outside of the area that you work um and, and work through um you're able to have those experiences that in the moment that you can pull from opposed to hey i've never had that before so um what i would look at is um if you're looking at you know from the ems side of the standpoint you know do we have the capabilities for mass casualties do we have the capabilities for mass care nursing homes and any kind of ems call that you could have in your area kind of look at your rules your regs and prepare for that um, so that when you're actually in that, you can draw from that. You may not have that exact experience, but you would have something that's there. And then when you don't, you can pull from the, the OODA loop and kind of work through that um, to actually be able to pull the trigger. And, and if you can't and it's something, you see something big that you should do, do something minor. Do something small to at least get that foot in front of the other. Um, you know, I, the, the saying is you don't eat the elephant one. You know, how do you eat the elephant? You eat it one bite at a time. So yeah. even if it's just, hey, let me put my left foot in front of the right. And yeah. put the right front for the left, um, and making small decisions that ultimately make the big decisions. I was listening to um, uh, so Jocko, Jocko has a podcast, uh, and he was I forget who he was talking to, but he was talking about um, the people that fail the the SEAL Academy uh, buds or whatever it's called aren't the folks that uh, you, know, you well first he said you never expect who's going to fail right, but he found that um, I believe it was Jocko that was saying this that the people that fail are the ones that don't look at today for today, they took at, they look at today for the journey right and they get overwhelmed by the fact that they're going to have to do the same crappy thing every day for months, and the people that are successful look at the day for the day right and the decision for the decision and take you know to make one step and then make a, another step <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and I think that's important because uh, whether it's a microcosm of like a call that you're on and it's a difficult, difficult call or like you were talking about before, you might have a difficult like supervisor or whatever. Uh, it, there's a lot of advantage in, in taking things one step at a time, uh, because if you look at the totality of something, it can get pretty overwhelming because let's be real, everything that we do, anyone in this job, we're, we're doing pretty tough stuff. Right. And, and uh, it, one step at a time is useful. Um, in terms of the OODA loop, I wanted to show you this. Uh, it's pronounced Canavan. I didn't know if you've ever heard of this. It's a, it's a I think it's Welsh maybe or but uh, at our um, at the emergence program, they were and I, I get, I'll, I'll post a picture of this when we when we publish the episode. But a Canavan uh, framework is a sense making tool. So in that orient section, right, so you observe and then you want to orient yourself to how complicated a problem is, um, this is a framework that helps you uh, basically understand how bad of a problem something is. And I'm not going to do it justice. There's a lot of awesome YouTube videos on it. But this has been, this was one of those mind-blowing things for me. And they use the Boston bombing for an example. Um, and in terms of when the, you know, when they were planning for it, uh, you know, you're in this like complicated area, right? Because um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of variables, but the you know the we are planning for a perceived end 
that is uh, not predictable, but we kind of understand the variables that are in your pitcher. But then when the bomb went off, now you're in this chaotic situation, right? And whereas you as a leader uh, don't really know all the variables that are going on, right? Um, and, the, and again, I'm not going to do this justice at all. But the process is to try to keep all of your problems in the complex and complicated area. That way, with all of your planning, with all of your you know training, everything, you keep your problems in here. Complicated, you generally know the end right? All, you know the problems, you know the potential solutions, whereas complex problems, you, you may know the variables, but you don't know the end results. That's how I understood it. Again, terrible rendition, but I, I would definitely recommend you check it out and our listeners check it out because in the OODA loop, um, and these aren't joint, OODA loop and these are not joint concepts. I kind of just made that up. I'm not saying it's my idea, but I, I imagine other people have done it too. But this sense-making tool is very good for orientation. Um, how would I give a practical example for an EMS clinician? Um, so um, let's look at a, a, a pretty sick medical case, right? You don't know exactly what's going on. It's a sick person. You show up, and they're just very sick, right? Um, you're, you go from having a chaotic patient, there's a bunch of stuff you don't really know what's going on, to doing your assessment, doing your you know treatments, you know, doing the OODA loop, seeing where things uh, you know, change, don't change. And you've transitioned into this complex realm, right? Where maybe you have some information, right? You don't have all the information, but you continue to act on that information until finally you get to this complicated area where you've done all your assessment, you've done all your treatment you can do, and you're making a transport decision. Um, this was really helpful for me. I would definitely recommend you, you check it out and also our listeners check it out. Um, cause super cool, uh, tool. Um, yeah. I didn't, I don't know where I was going with that. I just want to get your comments. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And it's, uh, it's really, um, with that knowing your body's response, like your heart rate and how that's going to impact and, um, knowing that when the heart rate is up there, you know, you have that audio and visual exclusion that occurs and, you know, you have that tunnel vision, so to speak, I guess is a better word of putting it and you may not hear everything that you hear. I know it's definitely happened to me Yeah. uh, as I go back and listen to an audio of a call and I'm like, man, what in the world was I thinking as I'm trying to look at it and see what I can do better? Absolutely. Sure. Sure. The other key thing here is, um, uh, sometimes people put obvious in the slower right or it's simple. So a simple thing or an obvious thing is something that we know we have to do. So for example, you get a fire call, whatever, you always do a 360, right? Or you go through whatever the, uh, whatever the, what's it called? What's, uh, what's the thing you always do when you first get to a fire? Uh, I mean, you got to 360, but you can call it a brief initial report. A BIR. Yeah, BIR, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I took fire one once. Uh, so the mistake that a lot of leaders make is they mistake chaotic situations for simple situations. So what's an example of that? It's just the flu. Yeah. That's a prime example of this. Or what's another example? Is I, it pneumonia versus an MI? I mean, how yeah, can I yeah, use yeah. my assessment yeah. tools yeah, to yeah. narrow it but, down? Uh, but in terms of like COVID though, do you remember the, mm-hmm. the leadership? Uh, there's a lot of leadership that would say, you know, it's just the flu. Don't worry about it. Not a big deal. They took a chaotic situation and they weren't, they didn't give it the respect it needed to understand that it was a complex issue, right? We didn't know all the variables and all the potential outcomes, but we treated it like a chaotic, um, uh, oh, sorry, we treated it like a simple thing when it should have been a chaotic to complex thing. And see this little swivel right here? That's the step between simple, uh, that's like a cliff. Nice. That's meant to be a cliff. And that's where a lot of leaders fail. Gotcha. So, 
yeah, I just thought that was really interesting when we were taught that. Um, it's uh, that's uh, anchoring bias is a uh, detrimental, right? And it's hard to understand. So, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. It's it's being able to adapt and and physically listen to what people are saying. Um, and one of the things I've struggled with over the years was listening to folks that that I work with um, or subordinates, that kind of stuff, and listening to everybody around you. Sometimes it's hard. Yeah. Um, but it's it's listening, understanding it, and and actually going maybe they do know, and understanding that everybody's got a perspective, everybody's got you know knowledge, skills, and ability, and setting your ego aside and going nope, I like their approach, and that's that's where we need to go, and and let the heck sometimes it might be letting them go to work. I mean, um, you know, you, you get somebody that that is knowledgeable and something that's got a good plan, and they go to work. There's more buy-in opposed to you telling them what to sure. do. They read the they read the uh, assess the situation. They got the plan for it, and they're moving forward with it. So they're they're more apt to have buy in to be want to be successful. There's two terms that uh, I really keep uh, in mind that I actually read in a textbook about Islam. Uh, and in the beginning, uh, in the introduction of the book, the author says two things. He says, no matter what opinion you have of an, a topic, a good uh, a good tool to have is a uh, tool called bracketing. Right. So make a conscious decision of all the beliefs you have of anything. Right. Whether it's the religion, whether it's a patient's presentation, whatever. Bracket it off and try to step outside of those brackets. Um, that will allow you to look at things from someone else's perspective. Is it going to be perfect? No, because you can never get rid of your own biases. But it's a, you're making a, a, a deliberate step. Right. To try to get outside of what you feel and maybe even red man it a bit. Right. So, you know, take out, take a look at the opposite side. If I was the opposite opinion, what would I do? Um, and then the other tool that I, I try to use is um, he called it empathetic understanding. Right. So try to um, try to uh, whenever it's anything that you're. Uh, whenever you're approaching anything, try to take a look at it from the shoes of the individual. It's similar to bracketing, right? But uh, different because you're taking it, uh, you're approaching it from a uh, place of empathy, right? Or sympathy, but, you know, empathy because then, uh, you know, and that can, that's a whole other discussion, right? Sympathy versus empathy. But those are two useful tools to help you look at things from a perspective that's not yours. You know, very useful. I a hundred percent agree. Um, the first, the bracketing, um, it sounds like you and I listen to some of the same podcasts cause Jocko talks about that in his, and, and he refers to it as detaching. Like, um, and sometimes I don't detach my emotions, but, uh, um, you know, you got to detach from things, kind of step outside and look. And then, uh, the second example, uh, that you gave, um, paraphrasing. And I use that a lot and find a lot of success with that. Um, when I'm having conversations with folks and so we may be talking or there may be a pattern of behavior that I picked up on and I present that pattern to them. And then I say, Hey, let me be in your role now and you be in my role and let's reverse them. How does that make you feel? Or what do you, how does that look to you coming from a different angle? Those kinds of things. So those are two good examples. And, and for the record, uh, I don't, consider myself an expert or I'm 28 years old. I don't know anything. That's part of the reason I do this podcast to get to talk to people like you that do know something. Nice. Right. So I, I don't ever want to give the impression that I'm coming on this podcast as an expert of anything. I'm quite the opposite. I'm, I'm just an idiot with a podcast and I get to talk to people. Right. Uh, and I love hearing stuff like that. And, and it's also good to hear that I, you know, the, the resources that I use are also resources that leaders like you use. Right. Um, 
Yeah, it's it, it's uh, it's it's like we were talking about before. Similar themes in different areas of leadership, right? We, we it, oftentimes I feel like it distills to the the same couple things, right? Care about your people, be humble, right? Know the job, and uh, execute the mission. You know what I mean? Mission above everything else. Um, well, uh, where did, uh, there was something that we were gonna talk about. Um, uh, well, we talked about Colin Powell. Um, any other major points you had? I, I don't want to take away from uh, any like any other topics you wanted to talk about. Maybe uh, a touch on the know the rules of the game relationships. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And just a little bit of the experiences. I think sure. we hit on the time management stuff and mistakes. Sure, sure, sure. Yep. You want me to go? Okay. Absolutely. Um, uh, so w- one of the things is kind of knowing the rules of, of the game or uh, if you want to look at the military kind of engagement, like that's that's pretty important. What are your general orders? What are your standard operating procedures? What are the protocols? What are the things that you have to know um, opposed to I just need to know where it's at and go look it up? Yeah. You know, in the, in the heat of the battle, in the heat of the fire, in the heat, in the heat of the back of the ambulance, that MCI, I need to know this dosage or that dosage. Or, you know, a lot of things when I was in the, in the QA, QI, the quality management realm was have that pocket guide right now, have that app on your phone yeah. uh, and know how to get to something in the middle of that call. Take two seconds to, to reference something like sure. the nurses and the doctors doing the hospital uh, to make a good decision opposed to zero and making a bad decision. Um, so, so knowing all those different things definitely will help you um, as you move forward. Um, and rather you promote or you don't promote or you just want to be a leader at the position that you're currently at sure. uh, in the EMS world, fire world, whatever it might be for you. And just for people that may not be in medicine that are listening to this, so QAQI, you know, common terms, quality assurance and quality improvement. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the uh, group of speakers, a speaker panel at the program I, I said is uh, that uh, I was at a couple weeks ago. Um, talked about know the damn rules because when you're going up against people, whether they're above you in the chain or below you in the chain or even adjacent to you in the chain, that has to be your playbook because if they are doing something that's outside of the rule book, you have to know the rule book to you know move forward. The rule book, I would I would say that the rule book in essence is your you know what well, is definitely a critical part of you achieving the mission. It's the rule book for a reason. People came before you that developed it, right? And we're not saying it's perfect, um, but if you wanna if you feel that there's an issue with the rule book, uh, and and I'll ask your opinion on this too. But I feel that uh, there there has to be a constructive way forward. Um, I, I I I hate when I hear people talking about uh, you know basically let's burn the whole building down. You know, the, the, let's burn the construct down. The whole construct is ruined because of, uh, you know, it may have, you know, some fallacies. And um, I think that's very dangerous. And, and, um, and I'm, I'm, one of, I'm one of this generation, so I can say it. I, I think it's a generational thing, too, that I've ran into where folks see something and they, you know, they might see some issues and their solution is burning it down instead of working to fix it. Uh, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. We're gonna take a pause because I lost my whole train of thought. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, 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 no. You, you were doing good. Rules of the game. Call it, um, 
Oh, uh, absolutely. And the rules of the game or engagement or whatever you want to call it come in all different shapes and forms, and we've hit on some of them. Um, general orders, standard operating procedures, protocols. Um, you know, if, if your department has a bargaining unit, the, the um, union contract, all those different things. If there's something there, I definitely agree. Have a way to to make it better. And yeah. you know, if you, you if you're going to bring the problem, bring a solution and bring, bring time yeah. and effort um, to help put effort to, to to bring that solution to. Um, fruition, so to speak, so that it truly is there. Um, again, there's not always uh, a rule for whatever, and there's gray areas, but, you know, and not every gray area can be written down. But if it is in that gray area and you had to make a decision, whether you use the odor loop or uh, the construct that you brought up, which was good as well, be able to, to, to justify why you did what you did. And that, that's huge. Um, and and as, a, as a leader, the, the organization has to be accepting of the fact that you took ownership, you made a decision. And sometimes those decisions that you make always don't lead you down the path that you thought they were going to lead you down. But, you know, I'm definitely, you know, if you can say, hey, I thought this and this based on this, you know, because we don't have all the information at a time. And it's very easy to sit back and be a warrior hero, you know, with the keyboard, a Monday night quarterback, look back. And you don't have everything that you had, they had in the moment, nor do you have the human element that they had in the middle of that CHF patient um, that they were trying to determine, was it the flu? Was it COVID? Was it, what was it? Mm -hmm. And their heart rates jacked at like 120, 150 as they're trying to balance this person's life right in front of them. And they made that decision based on the best information they had. And then they get to the hospital and they tell the nurse and doctor all this other stuff that they didn't tell them as the provider. And now it looks bad because now they have this information, but they didn't have it needed. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is, we are going on an hour. Okay. Can you imagine? That's, uh, I'll tell you what, we always, uh, that's one of the biggest things that impresses me with this stuff, uh, um, how quickly we can go. Uh, what else you got for me? Uh, just the, uh, the relationships and experience. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we talked about the rules of knowing the game, but relationships um, is huge as we work through what, um, we do as an organization, um, you know, obviously there's mutual aid agreements and all those different things as we, cause we can't deliver the, ser- the service that we deliver by ourselves, but, um, rather it's a mutual aid or relationships like, like you and I have those sure. different things, um, to be able to, to build up, take away from work together, um, make as many as you can, um, and, and blow up as little bridges as possible. Um, and that's completely completely opposite of what I did when I was like 20 years old. So, um, you know, uh, working for the organization, I've had a a lot of um, opportunities to build a lot of good relationships and friendships um, as I've moved forward with my career and having somebody that you can call, hey, I've got this situation. Uh, Or we talked about rules a second ago, like, hey, how do you guys handle this? What's your SOP general order for that? And, you know, we're looking to make some improvements and you collect everybody in their surrounding jurisdictions and you, you, you tweak yours to make it better, to enhance it, to, to improve the, you know, performance of your agency. So those relationships uh, are huge, whether it's a sounding board, whether it's confidence, you know, that somebody, you know, speaking from somebody from outside of the department, because sometimes, you know, people, um, it's worry about confidential issues, you know, talking to people within your organizations. Um, one of the things that, you know, um, 
we built up a lot of good relationships with COVID. And as you talked about, it, it was new. We didn't, we needed to understand it. We were all trying to figure it all out. But as, as the jurisdictions that surrounded us, we all would have meetings. MIMS would have meetings, you know, um, and we would all work together through Hell yeah, that, we did. Yeah. Um, to get through that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. um, that, that's huge. And, and one of the things that, uh, that you, you can't do as you're working through this. And, and I struggle with it sometimes. And it goes back to that bracketing or detaching is not taking things personal. You know, some, you're having a conversation with somebody and, and they, they're just words, you know, sometimes they're not putting those words out there to hurt you. They're just their words, their perspective, their things. And, um, but try, try your best not to take things personal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, as we finish up, uh, I just want to say it's been a pleasure chatting with you. It's, uh, it's really good to see leadership, uh, you know, a, a good example of leadership, right? I'm not saying it's not it's not common. I'm just it's good to talk to somebody, right? So, uh, uh, just in case your people may may not tell you how the awesome it is, it's pretty cool to see. Uh, so, thank you for doing that. Uh, thank you for being on the show. Uh, I want to two things. Uh, any last minute pearls you have? Any other things to round out? And also, if you had to recommend one book to the listeners of this podcast, one book or maybe a top three, what would they be? Um, so, uh, I definitely appreciate the kind words, but by, and no stretch of the imagination, am I, I'm, I'm just a, a guy that wants to do good for his people and his family. That's, that's probably the best way for me to, to put it I, I learn every day. Um, and every day somebody teaches me something, which is huge. And it doesn't matter who they are, what level they are, um, what or organization they're from, whatever it might be. Um, books, um, Boyd is there. Um, the mission, the men and me is there. Um, Colin Powell's book is, is definitely there. Um, and I'm trying to find the other one. No time for spectators yep. uh, that you were talking, you're reading. He talks about that moral compass. Um, and that's probably one of the coolest things I've done in the dad. I'll throw that in there. I used his little clip from the book and gave my son that, uh, moral compass with the, the different things around it. Um, so those are probably at least four, but there's, there is a ton of books out there uh, for folks to read. And that's the best way to learn, man, through somebody else's experiences because uh, it's done already. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to get hurt as a result of it. They're telling you their story. You can take away and apply it in your life how you want to apply it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mattis says that uh, in his book, uh, Call Sign Chaos. He's like, why would you reinvent the wheel when there's amazing books from leaders out there with the mistakes that they've already made so you don't have to make them? Yep. So, And that's another good book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I think I might have to read that again. Well, thank you very much. Yep. Thank you. Cool. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Of course. And uh, maybe we can have you back on soon sometime. Sounds good. Yeah. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Alert Medic One podcast, the premier emergency medical services podcast with your hosts, Mustafa Sadiq and Ken Sanner. 